Thank you for tuning in. My prayer is that this message is going to be an encouragement to you personally and will cause great growth in your life. It's time to live and it's time to take this next step forward. God bless you as you listen. It's good to be here today. Happy Memorial Day weekend. Good morning to you. Good afternoon now. Anybody happy to be in church today? Anybody happy as me? Oh my gosh, I'm so excited and I'm so happy to be in church today and, and to, uh, to preach to you. My name is Preston and I am who I am by the grace of God and uh, I'm so honored to have the opportunity to preach uh, to you today. Do you like who you're standing next to? Touch the person next to you and tell them, you know what? This message is for you. Touch the other person who was your second choice and tell them, you know what? You're doing better than you think you are. Before you have a seat, I like to encourage everybody, before, before you have a seat, I'm so excited to preach to you today about a specific topic such as life lessons from dad. Life lessons from dad. I have the honor to preach in place for uh, dad. And is anybody ready to hear some good preaching today? Yeah. Well, good. Then make sure you come back next week because dad will be back. <laughs> And uh, I'm, I'm so excited. I'm so excited to preach in place and, uh, for dad and, and uh, grateful to have this opportunity. But before, you, before you're seated, before you're seated, I want to uh, give you a quick roadmap on where we're going. You are on a faith journey. You are on a journey. Your journey is not going to look like the person next to you, the person in front of you, or even maybe your parent. Your journey is unique, and here's what I want to do. I want to be a place, I want to be a guide on your journey to get you to where you're supposed to be because I believe you have a destiny. And I believe that these words that are going to be spoken, these aren't my words, but these are going to be words I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit will be speaking to you and your unique situation, your unique life to get you to where you're supposed to be in Jesus' name. I be, you know, I just believe that our best days are ahead. I just believe life's going to get better and better and better serving Jesus. May not get easier, but I tell you what, it's going to get better in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace, the opportunity to gather in your name. So, God, we ask you in these few moments that you would make yourself known to us and reveal to us the person of Jesus. So, God, I ask that these words would not be mine, but by they'd be your Holy Spirit speaking in and through me. So, God, we thank you that you are good even when we're not. And everybody said, and everybody said, amen, amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. And so I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm, ex I'm so excited to share with you today. And, uh, and if you have your notes, uh, go ahead and pull them out. I encourage you to take notes during this message. And, uh, and I, I love taking notes. Does anybody, um, anybody here today would say, you know what, Pastor? I'm a visual learner. Hand in the air like you just do care. Okay. In other words, you're a bad listener. I get it. I, my people, I understand. I consider myself a visual learner. Sometimes, I, sometimes uh, I mean, my wife reveals to me that some things go in one ear out the other, but I feel, I feel like I'm listening, but I think I'm just a little bit more uh, visual. So, so uh, that's why I'm like, I have to have someone in front of me looking at me, and then when I'm driving on the road and my wife is telling me things, and she shows me a video, and I'm like swerving off the road, she's like, babe, what's wrong? I'm like, I'm watching your video. Like, I'm a visual learner, so sometimes I like to teach with visual methods. Everybody say, ooh, visual methods. I have a, a teacher back there who teaches visually, and so she's incredible. She knows what I'm talking about, but here's the thing. I like to draw, and I like to write to illustrate when I'm teaching, but interestingly enough, I never do it in private. I never draw in private, and I was recently, 
I'm teaching a group, and, and, I, and I pulled out my, my, my pen, and I, ju- I jump up on this part of this leadership group, and I go, and I start to write, and I start to write about this, uh, okay, pyramid of leadership. And so I'm writing about the pyramid of leadership in this group setting, and, and my wife's there, and all of a sudden, I, I hear, as I'm writing, I hear this. <laughs> and so I look, and I'm writing some more pyramid uh, of, and then I'll hear <laughs> A giggle, and I look at my wife's laughing. She's like, I'm like, babe, are you laughing at me? What's going on? Here's what happens. This happens again two weeks later. I'm, I'm riding, and all of a sudden I hear the giggle. And I'm like, what is it? Okay, here's what happens the next week. The next week when I get up to write, and I'm, and I'm going to write and pontificate the clarifications of the uh, deep mining words of the gospel, I'm like, wow, I can't wait to share everything that I, that I, that I have in my heart. And so I'm, I'm like writing, and all of a sudden I start to write, I get up to write, and, bef- and before I write, my wife comes over, and, and she takes the pen out of my hand. She jumps up like a gazelle, vroom, jumps up, vroom, grabs the pen, comes over, and she's like, I got you, babe. And I thought at that moment, that's not really how things work. I've only been married for about eight months, so bear with me. <laughs> that's not really how things work. And I said, well, you know what? That's how it has worked at the end of it. So she wrote for me. She did a marvelous job. She, she wrote so pretty, and it was like bubbly and cr- incredible. You know how girls write, and it's like bubbles? Like, how is it words and bubbles at the same time? That's weird. And at the end of the night, I was like, babe, why, why'd you do that? She's like, honestly, babe, here's the thing. I just want to help you. And I'm like, help me? She says, yes, because whenever you're writing and when you're illustrating, I, I, I don't know if you know, but we can't really understand what you're writing. And I thought, really? I'm like, how come nobody told me? I've been doing this for years. And she's like, that's why I'm here. And I'm like, dang it. Obviously, I'm not illustrating what I think I'm illustrating because when I'm writing, I'm thinking I'm writing the pyramid of leadership. And then I look at it, I'm like, you know what? That looks more like a uh, a broken cheese it. I'm like, you're right, babe. I do stink. And so I realized I'm not very good at illustrating and writing. My penmanship and my art is low. Does anybody relate? Okay, all you guys are good at algebra, and I'm not good at that either, so I'm frustrated. I'm still frustrated because I realized and I remembered recently there was a point where I was great at art. I was fantastic, so much so that my art teacher would bring my art, and she would put up as an example, and I would want to get done fast so I could be the example. I'm like, yeah, this is my art. That's my, that's my road all the way up to the castle, and I love to draw castles. And, and then even my mom one time got me this, this, uh, this book to teach me how to draw people, and I, was, I learned how to draw people really well with bones, ligaments, and all kinds of stuff. And, and then I asked myself, what happened? I used to draw and write for fun all the time all the time, and I haven't done it in probably 15, 20 years. I'm like, what happened? And then I remembered a moment. Anybody understand whenever you realize this moment, and then you realize you are the way, why you are the way you are, and, and I had one of these epiphany moments, and, and, and I was asking myself, why? I used to be good. I want to be good. I'm, I'm like, I just want to figure out what happened, and I get to this point in my memory where I realized my friend Daniel who was an artist, a great friend of mine, probably a year older. He was a great artist himself, and word got around this elementary school that Daniel had drawn this lion, this incredible lion. So what do we do? We go to Daniel's house to check this lion out. Man, his whole family's coming over and observing. There's like nine people in his family, and it's the craziest thing. And, and so everyone's got around admiring Daniel's lion that I've been hearing about. And all of a sudden, I, I get past Peter and Stephen, and I see this lion. I'm thinking, oh, that's that's. That's awesome, actually. That's really good. And then all of a sudden, my mind went here. I couldn't do that. 
you know what, uh, that actually kind of frustrates me. And then all of a sudden I heard this voice in my head after I saw this miraculous piece of art from Daniel and not me that said this, Preston, you're never going to be that good. So why continue? Don't waste your time. Nine years old. What's interesting, I've not done any drawing or art in my private time for leisure for 15, 20 years. Why? In that moment, I had the inability to honor a gift in somebody else. I saw it as a threat to my gift rather being able to celebrate and honor the gift in somebody else. And I'm here to talk to you guys today about something that's going to take your life to the next level. It's a spiritual principle and it's the type of message not for a, 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 a you know the congregation as a whole. This is more of a teaching message. This is for the Memorial Day crowd, the committed Christians. These are my people. And so I'm going to talk to you today about something specific. I couldn't, couldn't honor the gift in somebody else because I was insecure in myself. I'm talking today about becoming a person of honor. A person of honor. Write that down if you're taking notes. A person of honor. I want to become a person of honor. Now, what is a person of honor? Here it is. A person of honor <laughs> is that person that you look from afar and you admire. If you've ever seen Braveheart, it's that person that Robert the Bruce was so frustrated that he couldn't be like. He had all the resources in the castles, but yet William was able to inspire the troops and charge into battle. And he was saying, I want that. A person of honor is something that we want. We want to be considered and known as a person of honor. I do, but how do we become it? It's kind of frustrating and hard because what's interesting about becoming a person of honor is it, it's not something that can be bought, and it's not something that you can leverage talent to achieve, nor connection. That's actually good news which means you can become a person of honor despite talent, despite connection, and despite your ability, despite your resources. So what is a person of honor? I'm going to give you a picture of it, and we're going to define it through this message. Are you with me? We're going to define it through this message. I'm so excited, and this is such a huge conviction in my life. I'm more convinced about this principle than many others because this was the way I was brought up, and this works in my life, and a person of honor is this. A person of honor is someone that men would be willing to risk their life for. Women would be willing to entrust their children with. And that authority is always willing to entrust with more authority. I want to be a person of honor. I want to be known by the next generation as a person of honor. So what, how do we become a person of honor? That's some of the benefits that comes with it. But what does the scripture say about it? If you have your Bibles, you can go with me to Ephesians uh, chapter 6, verse 2. We're going to look at this very briefly, and then we're going to jump into Mark's gospel. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 2. Now, Ephesians was written, it was a letter written by Paul. Everybody say Paul. Paul. Now, this, God didn't write Ephesians necessarily, but he inspired writers. He inspired writers to write. So this is God's word. And what Paul is quoting, what he is, what he is writing is something that was given by God, literally written by his finger in the Old Testament. So this is already, for all you biblical scholars in here, this is already cross-referenced. This is some very tangible, incredible stuff. And it says this, honor your father and your what? 
Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a what? The first commandment with a promise. Honor your father and your mother. I have a lovely mother. And this is the first commandment that comes with a promise. Okay, what's interesting about this, okay, is whatever comes next, what we're going to read next, what's next is a promise. This isn't a projection. Anyone have projections of how things are going to turn out this year? This isn't a plan or an idea because plans change. I've lived long enough to realize that my plans are futile and they're going to be blown away with the wind, about 93% of them. This is not a plan. This is a promise. And the scripture says that God, his promises never return void. You may be here today and you may be a, a byproduct or broken hearted because of broken promises. This is a promise that God will keep. Here's what it is. Ephesians chapter six, verse three on your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise. Here's the promise so that it may go well with you. It may go well. What may go well with you? It, life. If you honor your father and your mother, guess what? Life's just going to kind of turn out for you. It's just going to kind of work. You're going to get raised places that you don't deserve to be, and God's going to enhance your life. And it's the second part. And that you may enjoy long life on the earth. I don't know about you, but I don't just want to endure a long life, but I want to enjoy a long life. I, whenever I heard this scripture, my, my mom and dad, they raised me uh, listening to, to this, uh, being repeated, uh, being preached, and, and I had this memorized, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father. And, and I had this down, I had this memorized. And what, uh, what I would think is, you, if you honor your father and mother, you live a long life. And then I would see, sometimes I would look, and I, my, my great-grandma, she lived to 101. And whenever I would see my great-grandma, I'd think, whoa, she must have honored her parents bad. I'm like, wow. I'm like, I don't even know if I want to be that old. But here's the thing. Here's what's interesting. It's like, it doesn't, it's not what the text means and what it says, okay? It doesn't say honor your father and mother, and you're going to necessarily live a long life. It says, Honor your father and mother so that may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. You're not just going to endure old age. You're going to enjoy it. Life's going to have flavor. It's going to have zest to it if we honor. And it's a promise. And it's a promise. That's the spiritual side. Let's look at the practical. What if none of that happened? What if we didn't live a long life? We didn't enjoy life. Things didn't work out for us in life. And what if this was just something that we practiced practically? I think there's still a benefit to it. Honor your father and your mother. Huh. What's interesting about honoring your father and your mother, that is actually your first example of imperfect authority. That's actually your first example of imperfect authority. Notice I say your because my parents are perfect. Just kidding. You know what? Honestly, I thought growing up, I, I was so frustrated when I was about 15 years old because I didn't know if my dad, I didn't think that my dad had sinned before. <laughs> if anybody knows uh, my dad, Pastor Tim, he's, I mean, he, he's got his stuff together and he's a godly man and, and I always aspired to him. And there was one day when I was 15 and I thought, 
I don't know, I think I'm going to hell because I think I can't live up to dad and I sin a lot and dad has a sin and I'm going to go to hell and I was like distraught. I was breaking down and, and, and I'll never forget. I can remember where we were in St. Joseph, Missouri in the house and we were downstairs and dad comes and he, and he tells me that when he was a teenager he sinned and I was crying. I was like, you did sin? <gasps> There's hope for me! And and I, re- I didn't have an example of authority that was, uh, I think, uh, one that many of you had that may have been exceptionally flawed. By the grace, by the grace of God, I had an opportunity to, to live and be raised under some wonderful parents. But maybe you didn't get raised under wonderful parents. Maybe your first example of authority was maybe a little neglectful maybe abusive, maybe damaging. So what do we do? Is there a difference there? Well, I want you to go with me if you have your Bible to Mark chapter 6, and this is going to be the main text that we look at today, Mark chapter 6, verse 1. And here we are, zooming in on the scene. Jesus' ministry is at its height It's accelerating like a bullet train, John Romero. It's going so fast. And what's interesting is this is before, just to give you context, before Jesus had come public as the Messiah, before people were realizing Jesus was the one who was promised and prophesied about. This is Jesus, the prophet, who is now Jesus, the healer, now the one who is emptying towns. Towns are shutting down. Chicken Express is closing down to literally come hear Jesus preach. This is baffling. And Jesus, in this, in this point in Scripture, he had just been in one of the towns, one of the larger towns, from, and he healed a synagogue leader's daughter by the name of Jairus. Jairus raised from the dead. How many of you guys know that that kind of sounds like a, a rap album? Jairus, back from the dead. Look in the Bible where I just read. You know, so, so Jesus had, I'm ADHD too, and I think I inherited that. Unfortunately, praise God. So Jesus had just healed Jairus, but what's the significance about that? Jairus was raised from the dead. This is like some guy who's fulfilling prophecies. If someone's raising people from the dead, this must be someone who is from God. I mean, there can be a, a good preacher or speaker who can draw a crowd, but this guy, he's doing what's not been done before. So we find Jesus. Zoom in. Mark chapter 6, verse 1. We read here, Jesus left there and went to his hometown. Okay, he's on a high. Accompanied by his disciples. And when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogues. And many who heard him were amazed. Jesus shows up to his hometown where he was born, where he was raised. People were amazed. Some people were amazed at his teaching. Yet, something else happens. Where did this man get these things? They asked. What's this wisdom that has been given to him? What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? Notice they're acknowledging that these are miracles. Isn't this the carpenter? Which is pointing out his father's occupation, his social ranking. Isn't this Mary's son? who is also known as someone who had a baby out of wedlock. Okay, this is an insult. Understand, see this. 
Isn't he the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And aren't his sisters here with us? In other words, isn't this the little Jesus that we grew up with? Isn't this the Jesus that we had around all the time? How come he wasn't? Who does, who does, who does he think he is? And what the scripture says is based on that, they took offense at him. They took offense, his hometown people, at Jesus. Why? And here's what I think. They thought that Jesus thought that he was better than them. Easy as that. They thought or perceived that Jesus perceived that he was now, now that he's drawing crowds, better and set apart. Well, the truth is he was set apart, but he didn't show himself as being any better than anybody else. In fact, he was there not to be served, but rather to serve. Therefore, they took offense. I wonder how often in life we get offended at people based on what we think they're thinking. I think that that's more of a, uh, more of a critical spirit than a, uh, a life-giving spirit. And, and what happens next is, is, is interesting. I want, and I'll continue reading in verse 4. And Jesus responds. After they took offense, Jesus said to them, A prophet, this is key, is not without honor. Everyone say honor. Honor. Everyone say honor. Honor except in his hometown. In other words, Whenever a prophet or a preacher or a minister is out ministering, he's going to receive honor. But whenever he comes home, Scripture says, amongst his relatives and in his own home, there is a lack of honor, okay? We're figuring out what honor is together on this journey. Verse 5, okay? Now, verse 4 is the cause. Verse 5 is the effect. The cause is there's not a whole lot of honor, Verse 5 is this, therefore, he could not, underline could not, do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And Jesus, he was amazed at their lack of faith. Before we get into this, I want to help you understand how pulling together a passage works. It's oftentimes to understand what the text is saying, we have to understand what it's not saying. And what it didn't say is Jesus would not do miracles because of their lack of faith. It didn't say Jesus would not, which means Jesus wanted to. It said he could not. Jesus literally couldn't manifest his power and bring healing, restoration, and and. and throw this city upside down by the grace of God like it was happening in city after city after city because there was something being withheld from the people and that is honor honor what's interesting is if it happens in a town back then I think it can happen in a church and I am heartbroken because all across the world I hear and I see many, 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 many churches who are lacking to see the miraculous, lacking to see unity, lacking to see growth because honor is being withheld. I wonder what would happen in this church, though, if we became people of honor. We became a church that was acknowledged and known by how we honor people, not how we criticize people. That's easy. That's a Pharisee's job. Anybody can criticize, but someone who can honor that's what I want to be known as. That's what I pray our church is known for. If Jesus, he couldn't dispense the miracles he wanted out 
because of an honor that was withheld. I want you to write this down. Here it is. Honor goes where honor flows. Honor goes to whom honor flows, which is to say the miracles were not being able to be let out, okay? The honor and the miracle was able to be sent from Jesus because it wasn't given to Jesus. Understand that in our life. What does that look like? I wonder who here today is saying, you know, I wish I, wish I could receive a little bit of honor. I wish I was treated a little bit different. I want to ask the question, where have you been withholding honor? The scripture talks about the specific individuals, places, positions that we are to ascribe honor to, such as our mother and father, uh, our government and authority, and also our spiritual authority, and also those less than, which is our children and the poor. I wonder where in your life you are withholding honor. I say this because I love you, and I say this because I believe it. I believe it. Honor goes, and I want honor where honor flows. I want to be a dispenser of honor. Does anybody uh, remember their first job by chance? Fantastic. Does anybody remember their first like big time job? Like, hey, this is a job. Like, I made it. Well, I was in college and uh, second year of college, and I got my first big time job. Everyone say big time, big time job. So much so that I, I uh, all I had was skinny jeans, and I went and I got myself some khakis. You know, it's big time when you're getting some khakis. And I was going to work for an oil and gas investment company as an intern, and and uh, and having such a great time. Uh, uh, like going through the interview process, and, and I jumped in, and I had, there were a couple of friends who uh, were about five years older than me who had held positions in the company, and and uh, and I started first day, great, second you know second day, great, first week, great, second week, my friends got fired. The next day, I got I got hired on full time to their positions, and I thought, whoa, this is awkward, this is kind of weird, like what am, what am I doing here? And what I noticed was a couple weeks later, there were other people who were getting fired. And in fact, okay, to help you understand, two years into it, 90% of the company was turned over. 90%. Which means only 10% of the people that were there two years ago were still there. And so I had to real quick, if I wanted to keep my job and pay for my school, I had to real quick figure out how to not be in that lump. What I, what I decided to do is like, okay, I started to realize there's a common characteristic about the individuals who are getting fired. Business owners, listen in. There's a common characteristic about those who are getting let go and those who are staying. What I found was the, those who were getting let go were those who would sp- often speak negatively and ill about the boss. They, they would rally around and they would make jokes and they would they would make fun of his car or, or make fun of the way he did business or walked in. And whenever you turn around, there were imitations and laughter. And, and I realized those that were doing the mocking were those that were on the receiving end of being fired, <laughs> as well as those who would uh, leave a little bit early. They just show up right on time. And at that point, I thought, okay, truth be told, I, uh, I got this job, but really, like, my talent is just average at best. Like, I can't really keep up with these guys. So I want to do what they do to get sales and to grow in the company. But what they're doing is not keeping them in the company. 
So what I'm not going to do is what they are doing. So what I am going to do is this. I, I made the decision. I'm going to show up 15 minutes early regardless of what happens. I'm going to stay and be the last one to leave. Every time I see the boss walk in the door, I'm going to thank him for my job. And finally, but most important, last but not least, I'm going to refuse to entertain gossip about my authority. That's, that's all I did. That's all I did. My sales didn't go up. My relationships stayed, yeah, they, were the, they were the same. People kind of noticed that I didn't really entertain that and I didn't have to condemn it. What's interesting is two years later, 90% was turned over. Another year later, I was still there, having been promoted three times, <laughs> also having been taken on a trip, all uh, expenses paid, also having my boss help pay for my schooling, also leaving the company, uh, coming into ministries, we're starting City Life. He sent me off with two things. Number one, he sent me off with a recommendation letter by saying, uh, I want to make sure you are recommended to your next uh, boss. And by saying, Preston is a man of integrity. And, and I received this letter. And I, was, I was amazed. I was baffled. The second thing I received was a check for thousands of dollars just for being there. I mean, I wasn't really extraordinary with sales. I, w- I mean, I wasn't really uh, like, uh, like hitting on the top of the charts. But guess what? All the people that were weren't there for a lot longer than two months. I was there for three whole years. Guess what? It, that means it's not because of my ability. Obviously, it's something else. That's how honor works. That's how honor works. Where honor goes, honor flows. Honor flowed in my direction because honor was being extended out from me. It's a spiritual principle. It's not practical. I'm talking about honoring authority. And, and uh, before I let you go, I want to give you a few brief application points that will help, uh, help you understand and apply this. But I want to give you the definition officially of honor. And honor in Greek is T-me. You know, like, T-me up. You know, T-me, which is a valuing. Second definition, uh, appreciation, esteem, favorably regard and to respect. Now, in order to understand honor, let's understand dishonor, to to treat as common, to treat as ordinary, and to not show respect. To treat as common, to treat as ordinary, and to not show respect. Okay, so here's what's interesting. Did you know that there's a difference between honor and respect? There's a difference between honor and respect. What is it, Preston? Well, I take my definition of honor from the scriptures. Honor is something that's given. Respect is something that's earned. You got to earn respect. But guess what? The way that spiritual, the kingdom principles work, honor is something that you give because it was a command. Honor is something that was given. Dishonor, to treat as common, to treat as ordinary, to not show respect. What's disrespect? Disrespect is to treat someone as less than. Disrespect, treat as less than. Dishonor, to treat as common. Are we dishonoring people by just treating them as common? Did you know that dishonoring then, obviously, and I realize, is a passive thing. It's not something that we actively do. So how do we honor? I want to give you a free, uh, few uh, free quick points and and here it is, and I pray that these distinctive commitments define our church, and, and I want it to define my life because this is something that, uh, that I want to live by. And number one is this, and this is going to help. Number one is I will celebrate people 
who are better than me. Everyone said? Everybody said? I want to celebrate people who are better than me. You know why? You know what's going to happen? Is, you know what? I didn't get that when I was with Daniel when I was nine years old. Maybe I'd still be doing art today, and I would still have an artistic hand, and I wouldn't have to have my wife tell me that my leadership pyramid looks like a Cheez-It. What would happen if we started honoring the people that were around us that were better than us? You know what happens when we honor and celebrate people that are better than us at what we do? Guess what? You're no longer in competition. And if you aren't in competition, you can't lose. Let's celebrate people. Let's celebrate their success. When we celebrate, we don't have to compete. Number two, I refuse to speak ill of authority. Wow. Weird. Wild. Makes no sense. But it does make sense. It doesn't make sense to us because we are in America, and America is a democracy. All right? We have a president, but guess what? Jesus isn't coming to rule a democracy. Jesus is coming to rule a worldwide kingdom. Honor is a kingdom principle, not a democracy principle. Jesus is going to come as king. He's not going to be our president. Honor contradicts our culture. So therefore, Jesus talks about he, I mean, Jesus speaks about Caesar. He speaks about cruel authority. What if authority is cruel? And what does the scripture say? It's all through it. We don't like it because we don't understand it. But here's what, it, what Jesus says, what God says, is all authority is of God. All, wait, what authority? All author, bad authority? Uh, murderous authority? All authority is of God, placed by God. So all authority is of God. But here's what it doesn't say, right? All authority is not necessarily godly. So just because our authority isn't godly doesn't mean we withhold honor. When we honor our authority, regardless of how godly or how they get it right, guess what? We're blessed. Honor goes where honor flows. Let the honor flow up and see how God prospers and blesses and enhances your life and see the supernatural happen in your life like you never dreamed possible. Becoming people of honor. And finally, before I go into the next point, I can't, I can't go on without saying this. I refuse to speak ill of authority or other pastors and ministries. I was in Bible college and... I was, like, inundated with people who were speaking negatively about preaching st- styles and criticizing ministers, and, uh, and I made that decision right then and there. I was like, if, if I believe what the Scripture says, I reap what I sow, so why would I sow dishonor to someone I don't even know or understand if I want to reap honor? I don't want to speak about someone the way I wouldn't, someone, wouldn't want someone speaking about me. So I refuse to speak ill about another pastor, about another ministry. If they have a different style, if they, ha- they live in a different place, they have a different culture, maybe they're not even getting it right. But the truth be told, us as pa- none of us are really getting it right. We're just doing the best we can. And so I choose, and I pray that you join me with this, let's not speak ill of other people who proclaim and preach the gospel. What, is Je- what does Jesus say? A prophet is worthy of how much honor? Double honor. Double honor. What happens if we honor a prophet? The scripture is very clear. We receive. We receive what? A prophet's reward. I want a prophet's reward, and I want it for our church. Amen? Amen. Amen. Number three is I will go out of my way to honor my spiritual authority. 
I will go out of my way to honor my spiritual authority. So why do we honor? There's the reward that comes with it. It's very clear in the scripture. It's the promise. But then there's also the reason. And the reason that we honor is not necessarily just because of what happens for us, but it's going to be sustained when we have this belief behind it. This belief of honor's breakdown of its definition of people's value. So why do we honor? We honor people because people have value. You have value. You have more value than you think you do. Here's how I know. Jesus bought you with his precious blood. Jesus bought with his precious blood the homeless person on the street. (laughs) He bought with his precious blood the narcissistic CEO you work for. (laughs) Every person is worthy of honor because every person has value. And you can see and you can understand the value in people when you can understand and see and recognize what Jesus paid his life for. Before I go, I want to close with this. A few, uh, last week, my wife and I were at a conference in Vegas and we land and we get to the, uh, the airport and we were jumping into a Airbnb and we decided to carpool Airbnb, or not Airbnb, I'm sorry, Uber. We're getting all these uh, devices confused. We jump into the Uber and we're like Uber carpool. Anybody ever Uber carpool before? And so we jump in with this girl and, and she, uh, she's kind of like spunky and, and dressed kind of like funky like we are in Vegas. And so, uh, so we start talking to her and, and strike up conversation and, and, uh, she starts to talk about why she's in Vegas, and I start to ask her about her life, and she's like, yeah, I'm just excited to be here for, for uh, the festival, ED, what is it, ED, EDC festival. I'm like, what's EDC? It's like the biggest rave, 400,000 people. I'm like, oh, that sounds crazy, and she's like, so what do you do for a living? Uh, I just help people, you know, like, uh, <laughs> And so the reason I don't tell people I'm a pastor is like sometimes all of a sudden when I tell someone I'm a pastor, all of a sudden they stop cussing. And I'm like, wow, like I'm still the same person. Walls go up and and she's there telling me about all these interesting things in her life and how she's like getting into these crystals. And she's like, yeah, I get into these crystals and they help me get grounded. And then I get grounded and I meditate with the crystals. Have you ever meditated with crystals? I was like, no, I haven't. She's like, have you ever meditated before? I was like, yeah, yeah, meditate on the word. And, and, she, and so I'm like, yeah, that's really interesting. She's like, yeah, I ground all the time and, and I use all these different crystals and it's incredible. I'm becoming a crystallite. I'm like, wow, what's a crystallite? And she's like, yeah, well, here it is. I'm like, whoa, that's crazy. Ah, that's, and that's incredible. And she's like, yeah. You know what's even crazier is when you meditate on a trip. I'm like, a trip? She's like, yeah. You meditate on a trip, it gets real crazy. Crystal's in a trip. And, uh, and I was like, whoa, that's wild. She's like, yeah, but I just do minor trips. I'm like, yeah, girl, minor trips are good. And she's like, she's, yeah, I plan on tripping pretty hard this weekend, but not too hard. I was like, yeah, girl, don't trip too hard. That's right, just trip lightly, I guess, and Jesus help. And so we get to the destination, and after talking to her, and she gets out as she's about to head into her hotel casino, and so I just feel this prompting on my heart to go and and pray and to show her a little bit of honor. And so I uh, 
I jump out of the car and grab my wife's hand and I say, hey, before you go, it's so great to meet you. Do you mind if we pray for you? And she said, what? What do you mean? Really? And as soon as I said yes, I said, I said yes, as soon as I said yes, tears filled her eyes. And she said, this is an answer to prayer. She said, and I didn't know who I was praying to, but I just knew I needed something. And the reason why I do crystals and the meditation is really because I have anxiety and it's taking over my life and I'm struggling with depression and that's the reason why I'm doing drugs and I don't know what to do and I don't even know what I'm doing out here and I'm just meeting people that I don't even know and I'm lost and I'm scared. I'm just afraid. I said, okay, well, let's pray for you. And we, Dakota and I prayed for her. Dakota got her number. And, and, and I was like trying to hold back tears. And, and I was walking away with Dakota. And, and as I was walking away, I thought in that moment, I was like, wow, God, she's a mess. <laughs> and it's as if God spoke right back to me and said, Preston, that's you without my grace. Without the grace of God, I'd be dead in my sins. Without God's grace, without his miraculous, that's me. I mean, I, my performance is below average. I need the miraculous. I need the power of God. I need the Holy Spirit to get me through this life. And I want to be a, a person of honor. But I don't want to live life honoring people based on their performance. Because mine is average. But when we honor people based on Jesus' performance, everybody's worthy of a little bit of honor in Jesus' name. And as I close, I leave you with this. We don't honor people based on their performance. We honor people based on Jesus' performance. Every person is worthy of honor because every person has value. Every person has value because they were bought with the blood of Jesus. Would you close your eyes for concentration and privacy? Maybe you're here today and you say, Preston, I want to know this Jesus that you're talking about. I want to live my life with a clean slate. Maybe you're here today and you've been dislocated from your relationship with God. It's not that God left you. It's that you kind of dislocated yourself and turned away and I want to give you the opportunity to respond and I'm going to give some people an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life I'm going to do that by giving you the opportunity to lift your hand straight up and then put it right back down when I count to three by raising your hand you're saying Preston I just want to be included in your prayer receive Jesus on the count of three today is the day for salvation here we go one God loves you so much two he died so that you can have life and everything can change today. Three, if that's you, put your hand straight up, right back down so I can see you. Thank you. Who else? Thank you. Who else? Church, would you stand with me? For those of us who lifted our hands and, and all the believers in the congregation, will you pray these words with me? Say, dear Jesus, I choose today to acknowledge that I am a sinner and that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I choose today to give up my past and embrace the future that you have for me. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Can we congratulate those who made that decision today? Come on, church. Going from death to life. 
Have you discovered your street of influence? Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education, head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.